You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Hello, Praise Community Church. Glad to have you back for another time of sharing together in the Word. Before I get started, I just want to take just a few moments uh, to just again thank you for your faithful, ongoing support of the church. Many of you have been sending your gifts in uh, by mail, by dropping them off here at the church, uh, donating online. And again, we just really appreciate your faithfulness uh, to continue to financially uh, support the work of the church, even though we're not able to meet together. We just want to ensure that uh, everything is taken care of so that when the time comes for us to gather back together, that we are in good uh, condition financially and can continue to provide uh, for a fellowship and a place of just gathering together uh, to worship. So again, we just really appreciate your faithfulness in that and just pray that as you're uh, enabled uh, to continue giving, that you would uh, just take the opportunity uh, just to continue to share uh, in the resources that God uh, has blessed you with. One of the things that we are going to be kind of uh, doing a little bit differently when we gather back together again, and some of you may have caught wind of this in uh, email that had gone out uh, this past week, and that kind of involves uh, the, the beverages in the uh, sanctuary, uh, namely coffee. One of the advantages that we've taken during uh, this time of being uh, socially uh, locked down and, and distanced from one another is we thought it would be a great opportunity to go ahead and clean the carpets in the sanctuary. And little did we realize with all of the chairs in there uh, what awaited us when we kind of pulled all of the chairs back and went to clean the carpet. Uh, we just noticed there were just a tremendous amount of uh, big, uh, deep, dark stains that were left by coffee in the sanctuary. And uh, Jen and Chris Anderson uh, worked tirelessly to try to get uh, all of those stains out. And with everything we did, uh, we lightened them, but there were some stains we just were not able uh, to get out. And it's that scripture, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man the mess that we found uh, in the sanctuary uh, left by all of those coffee stains. And so uh, having talked with elders and our trustees about that, we really made a very difficult decision, and that is, is that uh, when we are gathering back together as a congregation, uh, we're going to be asking that people not bring coffee uh, back into the sanctuary uh, anymore, just because we really do want to be good stewards of the facility that God's blessed us with. And we just realized that the coffee and the number of spills being uh, left in there and the, the stains that it was leaving was really not being a good steward of that. So we're going to ask as you come back, and there'll be numerous reminders of that, that you kind of just prepare yourself. Um, to have to be in the sanctuary 
uh, without coffee. And, and trust me, you all know I'm a big, huge coffee drinker. I love my coffee. I love having it in the sanctuary. I will be abiding by this as well. And so I just ask you uh, to join me in just uh, limiting uh, our coffee uh, to really being in the Praise Cafe uh, when we all come back together and uh, we'll just all kind of suffer together uh, in that uh, change, but it is a change we really felt was necessary to make. So again, we just uh, thank you for uh, joining us by video. Uh, hopefully, we're going to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here, and hopefully we're going to start getting some indications uh, from our governor uh, as to when we might be able to join again together in worship uh, but I wanted just to take this opportunity. We're kind of coming to you from different places in the church. Again, uh, while we've had the opportunity and not having people in the building, we've been able to kind of work on some things. And so I'm downstairs in the youth center, and I'm kind of standing in front of a newly completed uh, wall that's being uh, done. There's a number of things that are being uh, done down here uh, in the youth center. We're trying to take advantage of it being kind of shut down and uh, this is kind of an area uh, that Neva, uh, Callie, uh, Megan, uh, Deb, Quinn, uh, I, I think I've got everybody, but they really kind of worked on that. So I kind of wanted just to show that off. And hopefully once you get back into the church building, you can take an opportunity and kind of come down and see it uh, firsthand uh, for yourself. I just want to thank uh, those individuals for uh, the work that they're doing. And again, just the uh, beauty uh, and just the inspiration that's being added uh, to the building uh, during this time. So we've got a lot of great surprises, um, good surprises, uh, ready for you when we come back uh, to the building. Now I'm going to start off, and I'm going to probably be dating myself here when I quote this, but growing up, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed and looked forward to was reading a weekly column by a lady named Irma Bombeck. She was kind of like one of my favorite writers. She was really funny. She would talk about, you know, just uh, a lot of different issues. And she always had kind of a very unique and a very humorous take on things. And so she had written this article on worry. And I want to just share kind of a, an excerpt from that because it's a little bit about what I want to talk about here uh, with you today. And here's what she wrote. I've always worried a lot. And frankly, I'm good at it. I worry about introducing people and going blank when I get to my mother. I worry about a shortage of ball bearings, a snake coming up through the kitchen drain. I worry what the dog thinks when he sees me coming out of the shower. I worry that one of my children will marry an Eskimo who will set me adrift on an iceberg when I can no longer feed myself. I worry about sales ladies following me into the fitting room, oil slicks, and Carol Channing going bald. Now, if you don't know Carol Channing, I would encourage you to Google a picture of Carol Channing and then envision her going bald, and you'll kind of see the humor uh, in that. And lastly, she writes, I worry about scientists discovering someday that lettuce has been fattening all along. And I want to just kind of begin... To talk about that subject of worry, I want to kind of start that this week, and we'll kind of talk about it here uh, in a couple of uh, weeks going forward. And I kind of want to look at what Jesus had to really say on this whole subject of worry and really the impact that it can have 
on our lives. And this is a topic uh, that's relevant because I think most of us, if not all of us, are worried or, or have that tendency or that temptation to worry uh, about something right now. And, and, you know, a lot of us are more worried maybe or have that propensity towards worry now more than any other time uh, that we can remember in our lives, especially given where we are with the coronavirus, the economy, uh, the effects of uh, the economy is having on our jobs, you know, our retirement, our, our savings, and just really our whole way of life right now. When I think about worry, I, I think there's probably kind of three uh, groups of people and maybe three levels of worry. And that, that first group, that first level of worry are, are the kind of people who really need to have their blood pressure taken quite often just to make sure that they're still alive. They're the kind of people who really don't worry about anything. They never seem to get shaken up by anything. That they, they seem to kind of just have a pretty even keel about everything and like nothing ruffles them, nothing bothers them. And so they're the kind of people that really don't seem to worry about anything or anyone. Now that's the one extreme. And then you've got that other extreme of people who worry about everything and everyone. I mean, they are the, they're the type of people who worry so much that oftentimes you're kind of tempted to kind of just lock them away in a closet where, where they're no longer able to access a television or their computer or the internet because it just seems like whenever they're watching or listening to those things, it's just more and more and more things that they have uh, to worry about. And those are kind of the, the two people, the two levels of worry that are the one stream, uh, extreme versus the other. And then there's kind of that third group or that third level, and it's where it's kind of most of us would probably maybe kind of find ourselves. We're somewhere uh, in, in the middle. And in light of what's happening, you know, again, with the coronavirus, with the economy, the effects that that's having on every aspect of our lives, uh, those of us who maybe don't consider ourselves uh, worriers, uh, maybe we've kind of begun or we've, we've kind of been, uh, uh, you know, tempted to kind of be uh, uh, more worrisome about the things that are happening around us. And so I kind of want to just talk about that. And so kind of as a way to kind of get our thinking uh, kind of going in the same direction, I want to ask you and start off by asking you uh, three questions. And these are questions you kind of can just reflect on internally. And, and the truth is, is if these uh, questions, these three questions, if, if we were to answer them honestly, we could pretty much end the message that I want to bring to you right here. Because these three questions really kind of elicit the reality. They really get to the heart uh, of what really is behind most of the things that you and I worry about. So I want to just kind of ask you these three questions, and then we're going to kind of just jump into uh, what Jesus has to say on the subject of worry. So the first question is, is who of you by worrying can add a single moment, a single hour, or a single day to the span of your life? Now you may have heard that question in, in a 
you know, similar way by someone who's really uh, famous, by someone who's really uh, uh, smart. Uh, but again, the question is, uh, who of you, by worrying, can add a single moment, a single hour, a single day uh, to your lives? In other words, you know, by worrying, can you extend your life? Second question, who of you maybe have worried so much that you think your anxiety or your worry may have erased or taken time off of your life expectancy. Now, I know I can't make uh, my life longer by worrying, but some of you may be thinking, I'm pretty sure that I have shortened my life a little by worrying. Now, the third question, and this one's a little bit more complicated, and I think it kind of sets us up for where we want to go. And the third question is this, is there anything more valuable to you than your life? Is there anything that matters more to you than staying alive? Will worry contribute Will it add to, will it enhance anything that you would describe or you would attribute to being more valuable or more important than life? Now, interestingly, Jesus asked this first question, and it's why it sounded familiar to you when I gave it to you. And he says it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He said, can all your worries at a single moment to your life? Now, it's a rhetorical question, and the obvious answer to that question is no. So let's just assume that there is something more valuable or something more important to you than life, than living. As you think about that thing that is more valuable or more important to you than even living, can you extend or can you enhance or can you make better that thing that you consider even more important than life by worrying? Is worrying adding to that? Does it enhance it in any way? And again, the answer is probably no. So here's the thing, if worrying doesn't extend your life, if it doesn't add anything, any days, moments, seconds, hours to your life, if worrying has the potential, as many of us believe, and as many experts would confirm, to shorten life, and if worrying doesn't enhance, it doesn't add value, it doesn't make something more important than life, then why in the world worry? And when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Now, my point here is, is not to say your situation's not so bad. Things are going to be fine. You don't have any reason to be concerned. There's really nothing to worry about. Things will get back to normal eventually. And again, that's not helpful. It may be true, 
but because of what you're going through, that kind of a response may not be very helpful to you at this point in your life. Now, your, your situation where you find yourself today, it may be bad. Things in your life may not be all that great. And some of you, you may have some very legitimate reasons to be concerned. And I'm sure if you were to share some of those reasons with me, I might agree with you. Yeah, I would be very concerned about what's going on. And while you may have every right and every legitimate reason to be concerned, you don't have to worry. So I kind of want to look at what Jesus and some other biblical authors have to say on this subject of worry because there is a lot of worrying going on out there. And I have a feeling the longer this coronavirus and all the ways that it is affecting and shaping our culture, the longer this goes on, I just think the greater the tendency uh, that people are going to have to worry and the things people are going to have to worry about are just going to escalate. And I think it's important for us to remember and just to put this in proper context here, it's important to remember that first century Christians, uh, believers, you know, in, in, the, in the early church, they had a lot to worry about. And, and sometimes we kind of get tricked into thinking that, you know, Jesus's life, that the apostles' life, that the, the first century Christians, you know, that somehow their, their life was a bed of roses, you know, what could people like Jesus or the Apostle Paul, what could they know about worry, about stress, anxiety? As a matter of fact, uh, the three people that we get the most biblical advice and insight on the subject of worry, they were the ones that had the most potentially to worry about. When you think about these three people, I mean, their circumstances dwarfed anything that we would ever, you know, find ourselves in, probably. I, I mean, you know, you, you had a, a Jewish Christian, you know, the Apostle Paul, who felt compelled and called to, like, convert uh, the, the, the Greek world. He was called to go and to present to the Gentiles the gospel of the good news. So you have the Apostle Paul, you have John the Baptist, you know, who was required uh, to go and deliver a very harsh rebuke uh, to a very hostile king who had taken uh, his brother's wife. Uh, and then you had, uh, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you think about that, two of those three, you know, eventually lost their lives in the line of duty. And the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was close to losing his life many times. And again, they weren't motivational speakers, and yet their insights on the subject of anxiety, worry, stress, uh, were birthed out of very uh, anxiety ridden, stressful environments. As a matter of fact, the insights, the uh, information that they share on worry, uh, it's reflected in so much of even today's uh, literature uh, that talks about stress, especially the words of Jesus. 
So I want to just kind of start off by giving you kind of what I think is the big picture of what Jesus believed and what he taught, how he saw the whole issue um, regarding worry. And so I, I want to kind of just give it to you in, in this uh, one sentence, and I kind of want you to think about this. And I'll, I'll, I'll have Callie kind of put this uh, on, the, on the screen underneath so you can see that and kind of really think about this. And this is kind of Jesus' big picture view on the whole issue of worry. The things that you and I are the most devoted to are the things that will determine what we worry about. The things that you and I are the most devoted to are the things that will determine what we worry about. Now, Jesus teaches that, that the things that we are the most devoted to fuel or have the potential to fuel the things we worry the most about. The thing you worry about is the very thing you are the most devoted to. And Jesus is just kind of saying here, in essence, I just want to just take away the mystery regarding why you and I worry. And he says, if you want to really know what it is that drives the things that worry you, it is the point or it is the source of your greatest devotion. Now, you don't really ever hear this coming from a pastor, but I just want to be open. I want to be honest. I want to be transparent with you. And don't ever tell anyone you heard me say this. If you do, I'll deny it. Are you ready? I'm just going to be honest with you here. I never, ever worry about your job. I don't. I'm concerned about your job. If you were to come to me and you were to tell me that you lost your job, that maybe you had gotten downsized, that you had gotten a pink slip, uh, if you emailed me, if you stopped by my office and, and you know, you were telling me that you, you know, are being let go in, in, in three weeks, I, I, would, I would be concerned. I would, you know, feel compassion. I would pray with you. I would encourage you in whatever way I could. I would do whatever I could to help you uh, to find a new job to be able to help you kind of get through uh, this very, very difficult uh, and, and trying situation. But I would not be worried about your job simply because I'm not devoted to your job. I care about you having a job and I want you to have the, the, the job that you're very, very uh, passionate about. I want you to have the job of your dreams. I want you to, to be employed. I want you to be using uh, your gifts, your abilities, your skills, your talents. I mean, I want all of that for you, but I'm just not worried about your job. As long as I'm confessing some things, let me just Get another thing off my chest. I'm not concerned about your retirement. I hope it works out for you. I hope you're able to retire sooner than you hoped. 
with more money than you ever planned. I, I hope that your retirement is the adventure of your lifetime. But I'm not worried about your retirement because I'm not devoted to making sure that you retire with the amount of money or in the way that you want to be able to retire financially. Now, I'm concerned about those uh, who are retired, those who are close to retirement, especially uh, in the ways that we find our economy uh, and our shrinking uh, 401ks, uh, our retirement savings right now uh, are being hit hard by this. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about that, but I'm just not worrying about your retirement. And the reason for that is because never once in my life have I ever devoted myself to making sure you retire in a financially secure way. I'm not worried about your kids' grades because I've never been devoted to that. I hope they do well in school. I want them to do well in school. I want them to succeed, to get good grades. I want all of that. I'm just not worried about it because I've never been devoted to that. And, and so it really kind of just underscores the point, the larger point that I'm trying to make, and, and it is, is that my worries and your worries are tied to the things we are the most devoted to. And this is really kind of what Jesus is getting at when he kind of talks on this whole subject of worrying. The things you and I are the most worried about are a reflection of our core devotions. The things you and I worry about the most, they really are a reflection of our core devotions. And so if Jesus is right, and, and I think he is, here's a question for you and me. What would it take if we shifted our core devotions? What if I shifted my devotion? What if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your worry? In Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up uh, there. Uh, and I'm going to begin there in verse 24. And this is interesting because when Jesus decides to tackle the whole issue of worry and, and to teach on the issue of worry, and, and this is kind of the epicenter of Jesus' whole teaching on this very important subject of, of worry, when Jesus decides to launch a conversation about worry, guess which topic he launched it with. If you guessed money, you're absolutely right. Right now, statistics uh, show that people's number one concern in the country has to do with the economy because we are worried whether we're going to run out of money before we run out of life. So here's how the discussion begins in verse 24. And Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted. There's that word. Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God 
and money. Now, the Greek word there for money in the New Testament is the word mammon, and it really kind of describes treasures, uh, wealth, material, uh, riches. And so Jesus is basically saying, we cannot, it is impossible to serve both God, our treasures, our wealth, our material stuff. Now, what's kind of amazing to me is Jesus is kind of pointing out the things that worried people over 2,000 years ago when he was teaching this stuff while he was walking upon the earth are the same things we worry about today. Someone once said, times may change, but people never do. And there's a lot of truth to that. What worried them way back then, when Jesus walked the earth, are the same things that have the potential to worry us today. So Jesus is basically saying, you cannot be solely devoted to God and solely devoted to your stuff because they are at war with one another. you got to decide which one you're going to be more devoted to, God or to your stuff. And then Jesus does what Jesus does in such a wonderful way is he then takes us into a discussion that kind of really underscores what he's really trying to get at. And there in verse 25, he says, therefore, and again, whenever you see that word, therefore, it's connecting what has just been said with what is about to be said. And so Jesus is connecting the thought here in verse 25 with what he just said in verse 24. And he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And then Jesus asked this very important question. Again, it's a rhetorical question. He says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? In other words, Jesus is saying, isn't there more to life than food? Isn't your body more than the clothes you wear? And in our fashion-obsessed culture of today, that is a great question. And here's what Jesus is doing. And don't miss this. Jesus is trying to pull them, and he's trying to pull us out of our hyper-focus. In the culture of that time when Jesus first said these words, you got to remember that this, this was a, a, a culture where food and clothing was a big issue back then because they kind of were a hand-to-mouth culture. They didn't have huge closets. They didn't have, you know, refrigerators and freezers and all of these luxuries that we have today to store, to preserve, to keep food. I mean, they lived in a day and age where oftentimes you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. So if Jesus were, were going to talk to us today in our culture, uh, in, in our uh, issues, 
Jesus would, would kind of say things like, don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about your 401k. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about getting your kids into the college of their choice. Is not life more than your retirement? Is it, is it life more than your health? Is not life more than your job? That, that's kind of the way Jesus would put that question to us today. And, and please, Jesus isn't saying that none of these things are important. Please don't hear that. That's not what he's saying. He's just asking the question, is that all there is to your life? Jesus is trying to teach us we can care about these things. We can care about food. We can care about clothing. We can care about our job. We can care about our retirement. These things can be important to us, but what Jesus is saying is, but you don't have to be driven by worry and fear and anxiety because life is so much more than any of that. And then look at this. I mean, the next verse, I mean, it's almost kind of like, you know, he kind of seems oblivious or, or maybe kind of insensitive or, or maybe this next statement that Jesus makes, it almost kind of makes you feel like maybe he's kind of out of touch with what's really going on. Verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. You're tempted, especially if you're in a difficult place in life right now. And the temptation is to say, who cares about the birds? Who gives a rip about the birds? I'm concerned about my job. I'm concerned about you know, having a roof over my head. I'm concerned about putting food on the table. I'm concerned about you know, having clothes to wear. Who cares about stupid birds? But... That's where Jesus takes us. He says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the birds of the air. He said, they do not sow or reap. They don't store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's interesting. Jesus uses the birds of the air to teach us a lesson about worrying. Did you know that an animal really has only three concerns in life? The first concern is self-propagation, uh, reproducing himself. Second concern is self-preservation, you know, staying alive. Uh, as a hunter, I can assure you, animals have that that, that need to, uh, of self-preservation. They want to get away from you. They want to escape. They want to preserve their life. And the third concern an animal has is self-gratification, making sure that its physical needs are being met. And that's really all an animal cares about. An animal has no other concerns, no other worries, no other cares uh, in all the world. And I tell you that because when you and I worry about these three same things, we're basically saying the birds have more sense 
and more trust in God than we do. Because we are made in his image and likeness, and they are not. When God created the birds of the air, he just spoke them into being. He said, let there be birds, and there were birds. But when he created you and I, the scripture says that, that he formed us from the dust of the earth. He fashioned us, and then he blew life, his life, into us. We are made, we are created in his image and his likeness, and they are not. And Jesus is, is taking something from nature, and he's using it to teach us about worry. And the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us is simply this. If God cares for the birds of the air who do nothing but fly around, eat worms, build nests, make messes on windshields, how much more valuable are those of us who are made, who are created in his image and his likeness? Let me put it to you this way. What farmer would feed his chickens, but not his children? Would God dare to feed the birds of the air, but not feed those who are made in his image and his likeness? And, and of course, preposterous, of course not. And all worrying does is it really causes us to hyper-focus and look at life in only one dimension, and that's the physical dimension. It's to go through life to make sure your barns are full, that your refrigerator is full, that your bank account is full, even though your soul may be empty. Because when you worry, you do something that not even animals do. Birds don't worry. They sing, they chirp, they fly, they build nests, but they don't worry. And Jesus is saying, so take a lesson from them and don't you worry either. Because if God has taken care of the birds of the air, and he is, who are not made in his image and likeness, he will surely take care of those of us who are. Verse 28, for those of you that are concerned or worry about clothing, again, listen to what Jesus says. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, Will he not much more clothe you? Now think about this. The flowers of the field, they don't do anything. You could almost say they're kind of lazy and idle. And if God clothes the things that really do nothing, how much more will God take care of those of us who do and should labor, who, who work? who are trying to make a go of life. And again, don't misunderstand this. Jesus isn't saying food and clothing aren't important or that you don't need any of these things. He's just saying the exact opposite. You do need these things. 
You just don't have to worry about it. So Jesus would say, go ahead and work. By all means, do your best. Because to do your best, it's one way to honor and glorify God who's given you the gifts, the ability to do the work you're doing. So do your best work. Just don't worry. Go ahead and, and, and you know, labor. Labor all you want. Labor hard. Just don't worry. Go ahead and, and spin away. Just don't worry about your spinning. God doesn't want you and I to be lazy. He doesn't want us to be idle and shiftless. So you need to do what you can do and do it to the best of your ability. Do it to the glory and the honor of God. And then just trust God to do what you can. And then Jesus kind of goes right to the heart of worry. Listen to how he closes verse 30. And I'll get a little bit more into this uh, next time. He just says, oh, you of little faith. Kind of what he's saying there is worry really is a devotion issue. Worry is a faith issue. It says something about our faith. And oftentimes our emotions get attached to the things that we're the most devoted to. And Jesus says the reason it's difficult for you and I to pull away and to really look to and trust God to meet our needs for today and to trust Him with the uncertainties of tomorrow has to do in direct proportion with our faith and our trust in God. And I think one of the reasons you and I become so devoted to and we become so emotionally distraught about the issues of life, the important issues of life, is because there's a place in us where we really question and we really wonder, can we really trust our Heavenly Father to provide the things we need? And when we worry, we really are expressing little to no confidence in either God's willingness or his ability to care and to provide for us as his children. And that's why the issue of worry really is an issue of our faith. It really speaks to our confidence, the confidence we have in God. And usually what ends up happening is that we can have more faith in our worries than we have in God. And then from that, we kind of begin to live our lives that are in a way that we believe that our worries have the power and the potential to shape our futures more than God does. And the strange thing is, in times of uncertainty, like what we're in right now, in times of of chaos, uh, in which our, our culture just kind of seems to be steeped in right now, we tend to kind of look for two things, certainty and clarity. We look for certainty, that is, what to expect, and we also look for clarity, how should I respond to that? And the thing is, worry brings about neither of those. Let me just kind of close with a story. It's a true story. It's a scene that 
is a very dramatic scene. It's something we probably all witnessed at one time or another. It happened on a football field. It happened during a tournament called the Rose Bowl. Two undefeated teams are playing Georgia Tech and the University of California, and they're playing for the national championship. Game is almost done, and the score is deadlocked. The ball is on the Georgia Tech 33-yard line, and California is pressing hard uh, to get to the end zone to score a touchdown and win the game. And suddenly there is a pile up on the field and the football gets knocked loose. There's a fumble. And the center, big guy from California, scoops up the ball and he just takes off with it. And, and he, he's just being hit this way and, and, and he's able to kind of whirl around and he's hit this way and he's able to stay on his feet and to, and to keep going. And all of a sudden, he kind of just sees in front of him nothing but an empty field and the goal line. And, and so he just starts running with everything that is in him and he's just pumping his arms and legs for all he's worth. And he just runs as he has never run before. Well, as you can imagine, I mean, the crowd goes wild. I mean, pandemonium uh, has broken loose. And this guy thinks he is just running for the winning touchdown. But what he fails to realize is he's running in the wrong direction. He's headed toward the wrong goal. And, and his teammates are even trying to bring him down. They're, they're trying to get him uh, to, to stop and to realize he's going in the wrong direction. And, and, and he thinks they're just jealous or, or they're, they're, they're mad that he's going to make the touchdown and not them. And finally, at the one-yard line, this guy, Roy Regal, is brought down. And again, you probably cannot imagine the humiliation, the embarrassment as he walks uh, back to the bench and, and the boos and the, the, the jeers and, uh, of the crowd. And for the rest of his football career, this guy is known as Wrong Way Roy. Wrong Way Roy. Can you think of anything more humiliating than to be playing in a game, an important game, and getting the goals confused? There are so many people in our culture right now, so many people out there all around us, and right now they're playing the game of life. And they're worrying about their jobs, their health, their retirement, their bank accounts, their retirement, their just everything, their health. And all the time, God is looking down from heaven. And he's just saying to us, you're headed toward the wrong goals. You're headed in the wrong direction. And that's what worrying does to us. It causes us to head in the wrong direction in life. It causes us to focus on the wrong goals in life. And God calls us 
to walk by faith. God calls us to look to him, to trust him in all our ways, to acknowledge him in all of our ways. And the word says he will make our path straight. He'll lead us in the right direction. He'll lead us toward the right goals. And I'm going to leave it there. We're going to pick it up here next week. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that we are made in your image and in your likeness. And as your children, Father, you care deeply about all the things that we need in life. And Father, you know our needs before we even know we have need of those. And Father, what we know is that you are committed. You are devoted to meeting every legitimate need that we have. And because you're committed to that, Father, because of your precious promises, that, Father, we can turn to you and we can be confident in who you are. We can be confident in the promises that you have given to us that, Lord, we need not ever worry. So, Father, I just pray for those who are listening, for those that may have worries. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just intervene in their life, that, God, you would just begin to reveal yourself as a God of love, that you are a God who cares, that you're a God who knows all things. You're a God who knows our every need. And that, God, you would give us the peace, the confidence, and the assurance that you are willing, you are able to provide above and beyond all we could think, all we could ask, or all that we could imagine. And that, God, when we will position our heart in that place, that, God, you will deliver us from that place of worry, that place of anxiety, from those places of stress. And so, Father, we come to you. We come to you as the shepherd who cares for the needs of the sheep. And, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us in the right direction, that you would lead us, that you would guide us to the right goals, to seek first your kingdom, to seek your righteousness, and just trust and believe that all of these other things will be added unto us. We again thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.